Hello and welcome. You're listening to Planet Bio. This is our weekly startup office hours, where we discuss all things at the intersection of digital and biology. Before we get started, a brief disclaimer. Planet Bio is not affiliated with any institution or organization. Views belong to those who express them. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Planet Bio podcast. Today, we have the usual crew, myself, Alexa and Hamdi. This week, we have a special guest, Tim Jarrett, joining us. Uh, Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So to get started, would you be able to provide us with a bit of an intro? What are you up to these days? And a little bit of context. How did you get there? Sure thing. So... Everybody, my name's Tim. Um, I am currently the site head at the Paliuka Harvard Life Lab. Um, we are a incubator space for uh, high potential biotech startups in the pre-seed and seed stage um, with a Harvard affiliation on their founding team. Um, and we are part of the broader innovation labs ecosystem here at Harvard. So, um, so what Harvard is trying to do is they're trying to create a an ecosystem under which uh, entrepreneurs um, across all sectors can um, can incubate together, co-work, collaborate, uh, learn from each other, etc. Um, and my particular lab is the biotech-centric lab. So we've got uh, we've got teams that are actually incorporated and have some seed funding, pre-seed funding, um, and are actually doing some some wet lab work. And um, we're here to support them in that in that journey. Um, so. I mean, we can get into to how I uh, how I got here, but um, that's generally the intro. That's great. Um, super interesting. And Tim, we're so excited to have you. Um, I think it would be great to learn a little bit more about how you got there um, and a bit about where you started and your your journey along the way. Sure. So I've been uh, I've been in industry for about ten years now. <clears throat> um, when I graduated from undergrad. Uh, you know, I made the I made the decision um, to go straight into industry, and you know, a lot of people take two paths um, when they when they graduate from undergrad. They either consider getting a PhD or, or going to grad school in some capacity, uh, or they they want to get right into industry. And I was um, kind of eager to start earning some money, so uh, so I went right into industry. Um, and my first company was a um, a startup in One Kendall Square called Sempro Bi- Sempris Biosciences. Um, and I was a process development engineer there, so um, doing just a lot of process scale up and kind of getting my hands dirty with um, with different types of liquid handlers and pumps and, and large scale reactors, pilot scale stuff. Um, but we were acquired by Teleflex, and were, I was laid off like five months into my career. So um, I got that experience right away. Um, you know, it was a really fun job. We were right in one Kendall, so you know we were there when Flat Top Johnny's was there and Friendly Toast was there and. It was a really fun place to work. Um, but that December of uh, 2013, I had to kind of get serious. So I started um, I started a role at Ocular Therapeutics, um, where I was for the next five years, five and a half. Um, and I started there in the research and discovery group. So um, their company, that, that company is utilizing a hydrogel platform for drug delivery. My role there was to, to figure out... Um, what types of drugs we could deliver um, in new and creative ways. So um, primarily we were focused on ophthalmology. Um, so we were doing a lot of front and back of the eye um, drug delivery, uh, both large and small molecules. So um, antibody delivery, 
uh, and small molecule delivery, poorly soluble, highly soluble. Um, we were doing secondary encapsulation to, to slow the release and extend release out to six, nine months. Um, but it was a really cool experience to, um, to, you know, really understand mechanism of disease, mechanisms um, of action of, of different types of drugs, um, understanding, you know, how solubility plays a role in, in potency and their mechanism of action. Um, and not only that, but it got me really hands-on with a lot of preclinical models. So, um, you know, I was primarily on the bench doing a lot of formulation work, but I was also then taking my my formulations and I was um, going to a preclinical facility and doing injections and doing surgeries and, you know, sub-Q, um, intravitreal, intramuscular, intraarticular, um, any sort of anatomy that you can, you can think of. We were, we were trying it um, with different types of drugs. And, um, it, was, it was a really great experience, learning experience from um, a variety of different perspectives. And we were such a, a lean team too that, um, you know, a lot of the engineering uh, challenges that we had, you know, whether it be designing an injection device for, um, for a swellable hydrogel fiber, you know, we were doing that too. So, um, so just, you know, broad, broad experiences. Um, and I kind of became, you know, a mile wide and what felt like a mile deep on a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, ultimately, um, I felt like I was plateauing there and I'd, I'd grown as much as I could at that organization. So I decided to move on to my next thing. And I joined a sister company of Ocular Therapeutics, which was called Instilla. Um, and we were doing, using a, a similar hydrogel, um, different chemistry, but a similar platform uh, for, uh, as a therapeutic embolic agent. So we we're doing a, a, a intravascular delivery of two liquids that would mix and form a solid hydrogel. And our first target was hypervascular tumor um, with a second target of uh, hemorrhage control. Um, so this would be ultimately in the hands of interventional radiologists who are um, either treating or, you know, they've got a trauma case coming in, you know, crushed pelvis or something like that from a car accident, and they go in and they'd halt bleeding embolic agent. Um, but really, my, my job there was initially some formulation work, but really preclinical development. So I was doing a ton of um, pig work. Uh, and then I became such a, a technical expert on the product uh, through all that preclinical work that I, I joined the clinical team and um, actually became... Um, a clinical field engineer and trained physicians and supported um, clinical cases as the technical lead. So, um, so whereas at ocular therapeutics, I really, you know, it, I was stuck in the feasibility phase. I was doing a lot of proof of concepts, um, churning ideas through to development. Um, at Instilla, I actually followed the product from bench to clinic. And that was, that was a really great experience um, to see how, you know, later stage uh, devices, um, you know, are scrutinized and ultimately approved. Um, so I did that for three and a half, close to four years. Um, and then, you know, a bit of personal background, my wife and I were expecting our first child. Um, and I was traveling three days a week um, to support this clinical trial. And like, you know what, I don't know if this is something I can, I can do and maintain. So I started looking for more operational roles, more biz dev centric roles. Um, and this site head position came up and got it. So here I am. That's so fascinating. Thank you for the history, um, Tim. And I just also want to note that you called out early on the friendly toasting Kendall and those, yeah, those were I the miss, days. I miss that place. <laughs> um, 
I know. Um, yeah, I was sad yeah. to see that go. Another, another victim. <laughs> it's a staple of the area. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tough one. Um, so you also mentioned um, in going through it that you were a mile wide and a mile deep in a lot of different things. Um, and it's really interesting that your previous experience involved being, you know, in the weeds and uh, bench work and developing a product. How do you find it going from being a part of a team and a company that's developing something to going to working at the life lab where you have your eyes on a lot of different companies and teams and what's that transition? Yeah, I think, like? um, you know, one of my personality traits is I get, I get really itchy to do new stuff or get new exposures pretty quickly. Um, so the reason I loved being in the discovery group was because, you know, I could work on something for a couple months, um, you know, do as much as I could with it, but then I, I would get to work on something new and I would always get, you know, kind of jealous when one of my, my team members would, uh, would kind of, it would be getting to work on something that, um, that is newer than what I was working on. Um, so, uh, so here it's actually, it's great because, you know, I'm getting exposure at the earliest phase to these companies that are, that are applying to our space. I learn, you know, I, I get really excited to learn about what they're working on, what their challenges are, where the tech came from. Um, and then, you know, every day I'm having, wildly different conversations um, from both a technical perspective and just, you know, um, a personal perspective um, with all these CEOs and, and um, mm. uh, these scientists that are all working on completely different things. So um, to be able to feel like I'm helping them in some capacity, but um, it, you know, that's, that's really rewarding, but also to um, selfishly to just be exposed to all this cool science um, is, is awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you share a bit more about um, as you're working with the CEOs and helping build and grow the companies, what kind of resources um, does the Life Lab provide them? And what are some some challenges that you've seen teams go through? And you sure. Help them yeah. Navigate? So but I like to the way I like to describe the Life Lab is we are a bridge between academia and industry. So a lot of our, our founders are coming straight from academia. Um, you know, they might have licensed their tech out of their PI's lab and um, the PI has trusted them as CEO to, to take their tech and, and turn it into something commercial. Um, and, you know, these, these scientists will come into our space and they'll be amazed by how clean our lab is. Um, and I'll say, you know, that's just, that's what an industry lab looks like. Um, you know, we, we keep it clean. We keep, you know, we keep our pipettes calibrated. We keep um, all of our shared equipment maintained, um, up to date, uh, functioning. Um, we make sure, you know, consumables are stocked. We make sure permits are up to date, um, has waste is being, you know, shipped out on time. Uh, you know, all the operational stuff that you'd expect of, um, a supportive lab ecosystem. So, um, that's, you know, that's the first thing that we provide at, at its most basic, um, and then on the, on the first floor, so we've got two floors, top floor is lab, first floor is all office working space. On the first floor, it's really about building community um, and supporting these teams just from a general, um, a general ops perspective. So, um, you know, we've got a cafe with fully stocked snacks. We've got cold brew on, on tap. Um, but we've also got a, a hot desking working space where, um, you know, the mission there is really to to drive collaboration just purely by proximity. So um, sit CEOs next to each other, make sure that they're interacting with each other. Um, 
you know, I, I think I've at this point, um, I've gotten the nickname as the mayor of the life lab because I, you know, one of my 3 p.m. hobbies on like a slow Thursday or something is I'll, um, I'll just walk around and just chat with people and, um, and try to develop connections, try to um, create collaborations, identify pain points of, of one founder. You know, he's, let's say, um, Greg is looking for, um, you know, a regulatory expert with, for medical device. Um, and he's got, he's specifically got like a class three device that he's going to need help with. Um, so I'll be like, okay, I, I think I know someone, or I think I know that Gonzalo is working with someone because he's kind of tackling a similar problem right now. Um, so I'll either facilitate an intro there. I'll, I'll um, encourage them to kind of talk about that. We've got a new company that just came in that's really focused on um, some SBIR funding. Um, so connecting people with um, with experts who've done it before. You know, again, I'll use an example. Um, Megan comes in and she's, you know, this is her first time applying for SBIRs, um, doesn't really know how to navigate um, the whole process and, and is amazed by the complexities of the administrative work. Um, so what I'll do is I'll connect her with Jasper or Shardul and I'll be like, hey guys, like, you've done this a million times. Could you sit down with Megan and just kind of help her out a little bit? So facilitating connection and building and building community um, by, by doing so um, is a, has become a real passion. Um, But then also utilizing my network. Um, I've been working really hard in the last year to, to build my network. I've, you know, I've been pretty siloed out in Bedford mass with these, these companies that I've worked with, but you know, I've, so I've, got a good network out there but coming to cambridge it's just it's you know building this network all over again meeting some incredible people especially people that are um involved with the harvard innovation labs mass bio lab central um the the networks that you uh, these people that you meet are just um incredible and, and always willing to to help and give some time to to mentor a young entrepreneur um so Brokering those um, those connections is uh, is really exciting for me as well. Um, and then just kind of talking about some things that I've you know I've worked on in the past that might be a- applicable to what they're working on. Like uh, you know teams coming in and, and thinking about doing sustained delivery of an antibody, um, which I spent years of my life um, obsessing over. So always love to talk about you know the analytical techniques, what the FDA is going to look for. Um, you know, solvents that will work for suspension of, um, of you know, s- spray dried powders, things like that. Um, I love to have nerdy conversations, too. So it's not it's not all about um, operations. It's, you know, I still get a chance to geek out here and there. Yeah, excellent. I um, hear what you're saying on the kind of the intangible benefit of being a part of an incubator or life lab. Um or an accelerator program is that community element where you might just be in the space and be having a conversation and uncover networks and people and ways that you can help one another. So that's excellent. Um, as you talk about networking and expanding um, your own network and coming into the Boston ecosystem specifically, what kinds of things have you done that have been helpful to you and what advice might you have for maybe an entrepreneur who's looking to build their own network and meet new folks in the community? Yeah. Well, it's a good question because um, I think I'm, uh, I'm an ex I'm an introvert in an extrovert's body or maybe the, maybe the other way around, but 
the idea of walking into a room where I don't know anybody um, and having conversations is simply terrifying, but um, you got to do it. And, and it's really not that bad once you do it. <laughs> um, but it's crit it's critical. Like you have to do it. Um, especially for, for entrepreneurs who are kind of going it alone. I think they always, they say being the CEO of a, of a startup is the loneliest job there is. And it's, um, you know, it's absolutely true. I've seen it. Um, so whatever you can do to, to find a partner in crime or um, someone that you can go to these events with who can help make introductions, um, be your wingman, wing, wing woman, and just kind of help you out. And, you know, that's, I think, always going to work. Um, that's how it works. It, it, that's how I uh, approach these events. Um, I love to you know, saddle up next to someone who knows some people and um, just make introductions that way. And then identifying, you know, identifying events that are going to be relevant to you. I mean, there's a lot of um, really cool, uh, like happy hours and meetups that, um, that have organically, you know, sprouted up um, out of this, especially the lab central ecosystem. So um, I know Isaac Stoner hosts a, a monthly um, biotech and beers meetup um, at the Commonwealth or, um, you know, there's other very similar ones where if there's no agenda, people are just encouraged to kind of come, come hang out, um, talk science. Um, and he'll always, he'll always, uh, toss a summary email out to the group afterwards and, um, discuss what he's, um, you know, what, what he found to be most interesting about the meetup. Um, so kind of finding your community, um, and, and leaning into it, uh, I think that's just as important as, as really the, the diligent work um, in the lab and because it'll, you know, it'll help you when things get kind of tough. Mm, absolutely. Finding community, leaning into it. Um, so hugely important. And you see so many teams too, that are coming through and you're exposed to so many uh, technologies and new innovations. I'm curious. Um, I'm also keeping an eye on the time because this half hour always goes by so right. quickly. I'm curious what are some common challenges that you've seen entrepreneurs in your space face? Um, and what are some pitfalls that you might have observed that you can warn others about and um, recommend folks who might be tuning in to avoid uh, for an early stage entrepreneur that's um, in the space? Sure. So biggest challenge, I mean, I think this is like beating a dead horse, but the biggest challenge right now is fundraising. Um, and what I want to encourage as much as I can teams to think about is non-dilutive fundraising because there's a ton of it. And um, it might seem like a lot of work up front to apply for grants to, you know, to, to find the right grant strategy. Um, but it's, you know, it could be a huge payoff. And, um, you know, we, we, I'm constantly hearing of teams that they're, you know, they come back and they say, we got invited to a, um, uh, to a SBIR you know, phase two, um, which is, a million potential payout which is great um and to be able to just at least take the chance and and apply for something like that um could buy you a lot of runway um and is is hugely valuable so um that's probably the biggest challenge um i think another huge challenge is hiring um at, especially at the very early phase is mm -hmm. identifying who those first critical hires are going to be um so to be really open and transparent parent with your board um, in that decision-making process, who do they think is going to be a key first hire or second hire? Um, why? And then how do you find that right person? Um, you know, a lot of our, our teams are also 
trying to consider, is this person going to be fully remote? Will they be on site? You know, don't limit yourself, I think, to the Boston talent ecosystem. There's a lot of talent across the country if you're open to um, a, a more a fully remote position. Um, and then pitfalls. Um, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls in the entrepreneurial uh, path, um, especially at the pre-seed and seed stage. I think one thing that you can never think about too early is, uh, you know, your your manufacturing strategy, your your process development strategy, and that goes for both device and for for pharma. Um, you know, thinking about how you're going to scale this this process up. How are you going to manufacture it in a GMP setting? That's stuff that that academics tend to forget about. Um, you know, they're fo- they're so focused on batch scale that they they aren't considering what this is going to look like at the GMP scale. So, thinking about that, maybe pulling some some uh, manufacturing experts in early to help you think through that and make um, you know make some strategic decisions in you know what what solvents you go with, what reactor vessels you go with as you scale up. Um, I think that's, that's going to be super helpful and save you a lot of time and heartache. And then, you know, even connecting with CDMOs um, at a very early stage to talk through that stuff because they're, they're the experts and they're, they're ultimately probably going to be the ones that are going to be helping you make this product. So, um, so don't be shy at the early phase, Um, seek out expert advice. Uh, People are more than happy to help. Absolutely. That's great. And last question in our last couple minutes, um, you're working with a lot of folks, you know, everyone has a Harvard affiliation um, that are coming from academia to someone who might be tuning in that has an academic is coming from academia or is thinking about starting their own venture. What advice would you give to them um, as they're in the like really early stages of, you know, can I do this? Um, Should I dive in? What would you say to that person? I would say do it. <laughs> um, I think that's the, you know, that's a, a hard question to ask yourself. You know, that, and that's always been, you know, if I've ever had an idea, the the thing that stops me in the tracks is, oh, this seems like a lot of work. <laughs> um, and it is a lot of work, but with, especially with, and, you know, I'll, I'll promote um, our lab a little bit and I'll promote the innovation labs a little bit, but uh, especially if you're part of the Harvard ecosystem, the support system that uh, you have within the Harvard Innovation Labs and especially the Life Lab uh, is is robust. There are hundreds mm-hmm. of people that are willing to help you with the smallest little thing, with the smallest little decision. So if your concern is, well, I don't know how to incorporate a company, there's people for that. Um, I don't know how to, uh, you know, um, understand my my total addressable market, you know, don't worry about it. There's people for that. Um, so there's, there's mentors everywhere. There's support systems everywhere. You just need to tap into it. Um, and the first step to doing that is, is to make the decision that I'm going to do this. Um, so, um, you know, I'm here to help. Uh, I've got a whole team of people around me that are here to help. Um, so I would just encourage people to take that first step and we'll, um, we'll make sure you don't sink. (laughs) So thanks so much, Tim, for joining us today. This was was really wonderful, and we really appreciate it. Sure, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Thanks, and we'll see everyone at the next one.